Next on BYUSN, whether by two or by 20 points, does it really matter for BYU basketball or is winning enough? And did Jaron Hall give us hope yesterday that he might come back next year? Don't do this to me, Jaron. And don't do this to me, Jaron. Unless you're really going to come back. I don't know if my emotions can handle it. Jaron. <laughs> Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, November 17th. Great to have you with us wherever and however you're connected. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside Jerem Jordan. What a night in the Marriott Center. It was pretty fun. Uh, Marriott, Marriott Center, however you call it, it was great. Uh, the hero of last night's game, Dallin Hall, will join us in studio. Dallin, don't call me Jaron or Max or Dallin H. Uh, for the moment. Who had the better game winner? Uh, Dallin Hall or Spencer Johnson? We'll discuss the Zags in Big 12 continue flirting. And Derwin Gray's, uh, Gray's literally doing the Lord's work, as you'll see in one of the newest Deep Blues. But first, here are today's headlines. BYU men's basketball winning again by the slimmest of margins, 66-64, as they hold off Missouri State. As mentioned, Dallin Hall with the game-winning bucket with just over a second to play. Noah Waterman made his first five shots. They were all three-pointers. He had 15. BYU's bench, really good. Combined for 32 points. They get Nickel State on home. It's Saturday at 9 Eastern. But you know what? Before we move on to that, we need to relive that game-winning shot from Dallin Hall. Five seconds, crossing midcourt. Dallin Hall, the freshman, baseline. You got it! Ah, uh, yes. How many freshmen can do that, Jerem? Really, really impressive. Dallin did it. And in fact, let's take a second look at it with, uh, with Shep on camera this time. Simpson will inbound. Gets it into Hall. Five seconds, crossing midcourt. Dallin Hall, the freshman, baseline. Number 30, making a game-winning shot is a thing that Shep has called a few times now. TJ Howe's at Houston and now Dallin Hall, so how about that? Hey. The running backs coach, Harvey Unga, updates us on the status of Chris Brooks yesterday. Yes, we will. Planning on it. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll get some reps in this game. Um, but it's just kind of a day-to-day -day deal, just working to see, you know, how he feels. Um, Trying to get him as many reps as we can um, while well, just being smart. But I'm planning on it. He's planning on it. So, yeah. It'll be his final home game at BYU. One of those seniors without eligibility. One of the uh, 11, I believe. So, uh, Unga also says Miles Davis is practicing. May play as well. Pre-game starts at 1.30 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio for Senior Day against Utah Tech. Game day for BYU women's soccer in the NCAA tournament. They take on Stanford in Chapel Hill, North Carolina at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Mountain Time. Huge matchup for the ladies as they try and get back to the Sweet 16 for a second consecutive season. Men's soccer beat Rutgers 6-0 this morning in the first round of the club national championships in Round Rock, Texas. The Cougs play Texas A&M tonight. What they hope will be six wins in three days for a natty. 17th ranked BYU women's volleyball taking their show on the road tonight, 10 Eastern against the Waves. Oh, it's always Willie the Wave. BYU did beat Pepperdine back on September, or in September rather, three sets to one. 
And the Waves are playing without one of their better players. So this is probably going to be a win for the Cougs. Rachel Aarons, they've been struggling with that over the last uh, several matches. Yeah. Swim and Dive is at the Mizzou invite and in second place after competition yesterday. They continue through tomorrow. How about a women's basketball signee? A little late to announce it, but it just went official. Ashala Mosberry has signed with Amber Whiting in BYU Women's Hoops. Junior college transfer from South Plains College in Texas. She averaged just over 11 points per game there last season. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending. And what's trending is BYU just finding ways to win at home against Idaho State and now Missouri State. Is winning enough right now for BYU basketball, Jerem, when it comes to the opponent and this young team and so many moving pieces? What do you think? Is it enough? Because they were a 23-point favorite against Idaho State, 9.5 going into last night against Missouri State, and they win both of those games by one possession. Missouri State better than Idaho State. Um, you know, those two aren't created equal. But I say, yes, it's enough because we don't have NCAA tournament demands for this group. Perhaps they grow into that later in the season. But from what we've seen, this is a, a new look group with 12 new guys. Three, uh, you know, three transfers are injected into the top, you know, eight in the rotation there. No Waterman, great game last night with the five threes. The program standard is NIT+. Plus. Um, you at least have to make that right. Um, and this team is, is fringe NIT at the moment, how they're playing, which is barely beating Idaho State and Missouri State. It's early, new group. There are going to be some growing pains. 56 uh, you know, turnovers in three games, still figuring out with the scheme. So I say yes. This isn't football where we walked in with top 20 expectations and then suddenly BYU is defeating uh, Wyoming and Utah State by 12 and 14, and we asked the same exact question at the moment, and I said in that moment, no, it's not good enough. Right now I'm saying yes, because BYU could easily be 0-3. They could also easily be 3-0. So uh, it's, it's interesting, and I'm not super uh, demanding at the moment with this men's basketball team this early in the season. Just find a way to win when you are so new. When you bring in young players, and I keep hearing from the coaches, man, these three return missionary freshmen, Dallin Hall and Tanner Toulson and Richie Saunders, they're special. They're special. If they, they have a killer instinct, they have a winning instinct in them. And when you are winning with young players on the floor, when Dallin Hall is on the floor as a freshman point guard and hitting your game-winning shot late, then yeah, winning, just winning is enough. Because everybody wants to learn through winning. Imagine if we were talk, sitting here talking like, Man, I can't believe BYU is 1-2 or 0-3 with home losses to Idaho State and Missouri State. It would feel drastically different. Totally. Drastically different. Those would be different. quad three and four losses probably yes, at the end of the like, year. Yeah. Those are the types of losses that Mark Pope has largely avoided in his tenure at BYU. And to have two of those potentially at home this early in the season, yeah, we'd be in kind of a little bit of crisis or panic mode. Like, oh, man. like, Are they even going to make the NIT we, is we'd be, what we'd say. We'd be saying yeah. like, this team needs to learn how to win a close game, right? And we're seeing that with BYU women's basketball. They've led at halftime in all three games and have not won any of those games. And so that, the, re the rhetoric is theirs. Well, they just they don't, they don't know how to win clutch games yet. This team with young players and a lot of new moving parts, they do. They, they have that winning instinct, and that's worth something. So to me, yeah, winning is enough right now. 
when BYU gets into league play and we're halfway through the season, and uh, is anybody going to complain if they win a close game against Pacific on the road by one? No. Like, well, they were a eight-point favorite in Stockton. Who cares? Did BYU go to that game? Just, just win, <laughs> just win games for a young team with with twelve new parts. Winning right now is enough. I don't care if it's by one or it's by twenty. Absolutely, they've they've got something. They've got the ability to finish a game in clutch scenarios, and that's that's big. The something the most is at home uh, and against teams you should beat. And then it's nice that they're making those plays, right? Because BYU basketball standard is, hey, teams like this you should beat up at home. Now we screamed at everybody in the pregame, hey, Missouri State's better than you think. Like, yes. don't overlook them. I, I thought the nine and a half point line was crazy. Too much. We were right on that. Too much. Um, that Missouri State was more talented than we thought. Why Chance Moore isn't coming uh, or starting is weird. He's coming off the bench, put up 18. Dude's baller. Dude like has NBA uh, like G League skill set. You know what I mean? Like he, he's a he's a pro uh, eventually. So yeah, when is winning enough? Yes, because we're not walking around going this is attorney team preseason. We're not saying that. We're hoping they're in the NIT at least, you know what I mean? It's sniffing said, attorney. How many times has Coach Pope said, well, it's going to be an adventure this season, and we just got to figure he's, it out along is, the way? He is setting up expectations, which is, we're not a he's not saying this, but I'll, this is my translation, what I think. We're not a tourney team. Maybe we'll become that, but we're totally changing our scheme. We don't have any bigs. Like, just if we somehow figure this out, maybe we can make a run. I'm not saying Gonzaga is vulnerable and not going to win the league. They lost by 19 last night at Texas. BYU's always playing for second in the league. St. Mary's supposed to be pretty good again. But, like, yeah, if you can be in third place and be NIT+, plus, that's success. And then it's going to take a couple years in the Big 12, too. Like, if you, if you think Missouri State and Idaho State are tough at home, just, just, wait. <laughs> just wait. And it's the beginning of a season. What I am concerned about, though, is you're going, hey, Dallin Hall make a play. I love that he made a play. I'm just concerned because missionaries hit a wall typically in that freshman year back. It takes a year to be back physically. And he's within that year still. This is awesome. But at some point, um, typically missionaries hit a wall. He's probably feeling good, fighting through it physically, looks great, uh, used his physical strength to, to get some space there. I don't like that Rudy Williams is, is, has uh, 15 turnovers in three games and isn't on the court at the end. I, in terms of sustainability and whatnot, I did like the uh, the big hug that he gave Dallin Hall on the court and in the locker room. Tells me that, that he's a great teammate, that there's not friction in that regard. Dallin Hall is going to join us in the next segment. We'll talk about that relationship because those guys just want to win, and they are right now. I'm just concerned that when you're looking across the bench that it's not Missouri State and it's a more challenging foe, um, say perhaps Utah or St. Mary's or whatnot, that it'll be tougher to make those plays down the stretch like it was at San Diego State. I'm, I'm hoping, because you, you bring up the missionary wall, I'm hoping that this is a Mark Bigelow, Travis Hansen scenario where those guys didn't really hit well. They just came back and were pretty good, even off of the mission. And I feel like Down Hall could be that guy. Like, so Hopefully I, he's the exception. I hope he beats that trend. Yes, because physically it's tough. It is unrealistic for us to say, you've been gone for two years be as good as you were before or better once you get into a season. It's like a, it's like a college player going into the, uh, the minors in baseball. It's like you played like 50 games. Well, now it's game 70. Your right-handed pitcher, like, how is your arm late in the year? It's, it's just like, okay, this is new for you. This amount of games, this tough, this level. 
after a mission. Hopefully he's good. Yeah. We'll talk to him in the next segment. Well, but like, I'm not concerned about now. Sure. I'm concerned about like January 12th or whatever at Santa Clara, where it's like, ah, just doesn't have the legs. Hey, I'm, I'm hoping he can beat the trend. He can be more like that Mark Bigelow, Travis Hansen scenario. And I love the breakdown, like their January 12th, if you will. It's like, was there a stretch <laughs> where I was like, hey, that was tough. Regarding his future, uh, yesterday, Jaron Hall said the following after practice. Yeah, no, I don't know what I'm doing yet. There's a lot of game left, a lot of weeks left. I don't really want to think about that yet. Just enjoy the time with the boys, the Pooks over here, and, and all the guys. It's, uh, it's a fun time. Um, a lot of good things going for us right now, so just trying to be in the moment. Just, just cruise control for now. Just keep doing what we're doing and having a good time. Okay, cruise control. He's on the freeway. Uh, is there any? It's, it's adaptive cruise controls, so he'll pull up and then I'll just slow down for him. Is there any chance? Based on that, <laughs> the journal. I don't even, I even want to go it. there. I can't even say it's back next year. I don't even want to go there emotionally. Like, what's jersey number does Jaron Hall wear? Three? Yeah, about a three percent chance that he's back. Is that year. high? Wow. And may, maybe okay. that's even maybe even that is ambitious. I know that Jaron Hall is a very very steady, even keel, smart, well thought out guy. You interview him, you spend two minutes with him, you can figure that out in a hurry. And the logic is overwhelmingly screaming at him, go to the NFL. He's, he's yep. an extremely logical person. So even though he says he's trying to live in the moment, and I appreciate that he wants to do that. And you know what? If anything, that comment gives me hope that Jaron wouldn't sit out BYU's bowl game. Like, BYU would have him as their quarterback in that bowl game. If he wants to enjoy the time with Puka Nakua and the guys and, <sighs> and like, Hopefully he plays. live in the moment... That, that gives me a little bit more hope that he's going to be BYU's quarterback in whatever bowl game they play in. And yes, they will be bowl eligible after they beat Utah Tech on Saturday. More on the other side coming up in just there's a some, bit. There's some, there's some bulletin there's board some material <laughs> coming out of St. George. So I don't think Jaron Hall's coming back next year. No, no, no I, way. Man. I do believe no when way. he says, I'm trying to enjoy the moment. Yeah. Live in the moment. Enjoy the final. Well, what is he going to say? I'm not enjoying the moment. All I'm doing is thinking about next year. But I do think that he, yeah, that, that comment sends me more toward, I, I think that now maybe he might play in the bowl game and, and he wouldn't take a scenario where he sits out that bowl game because he's going pro. We'll see. But that, that's hey. how I felt when I heard it. I was like, I don't think he's coming back next year, but maybe because he values time with his guys and he, he wants to maximize his opportunity this year, maybe he's the quarterback in the bowl game. I want to be cold taken so bad on this one, so I'm going to look into the camera. There's no freaking way Jaron Hall comes back next year. Mm. I hope I'm wrong. But I think, uh, to your point about the bowl game, I agree. I think because he's not first-round guy right now in, a, in as many mocks as maybe previously, although uh, in October there were five mocks where he was first-round 12 through 28, but it feels like he's probably like rounds three through six somewhere, right? He's, an, he's a pick by somebody. I think he's going to crush the... Uh, the pro day, which is in late March. I just wonder at, you know, the, the three month mark, four month mark in December, if that risk is okay for him. We'll see when we get to the bowl game, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but it sure would be nice to have uh, Jaron Hall in the bowl game. And I just don't see any way he's coming back. Again, this is his fifth season at BYU. It's only his fourth season playing. He sat out 2020 essentially, um, but so did most everybody like that was Zach Wilson's year. That was that was an amazing year. So yeah, he's not coming back. He's it, one. He's too good, and two, he's been here too long. He's married with a kid. 
Like he's 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 the perfect BYU guy where it's like I'm 24. He's going to be 25 by the time the draft yes. comes around. Age and he, risk factor. I would say he needs to leave. Like for his prospects, as much as we want him back, eh, he needs to go. As good as he might be next year for BYU in the Big 12. Not saying he couldn't have a spectacular season. Oh, trust me, BYU, like win and a half better next year with Jaron Hall. Yeah. Maybe two? Yeah. Like, like, when your quarterback is good and experienced like he is? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Makes oh, no. I difference. would give up all my sins to know thee but to have Jaron Hall back next how year. How much better would his draft stock be, even if he did have a great season, because he's a year older? I don't know that it can get much better. Yeah. Maybe it's like, well, now he's a late first-round pick instead of an early third-round pick. But, I mean, what are we doing here? Like, is it worth the risk? I don't think he climbs into the first. Is it yeah. worth the risk? Of potential injury coming back for one more year. At no, BYU. and he checked that box. He will have played, you know, at least the, the 10 season, games. Right? He played the season. And hopefully that continues. All right, let's get to Voice of the Nation. Our question of the day is this. Back to basketball is just winning, no matter how close the game is, enough for BYU basketball right now? Ben Peterson on Twitter answers, yes. We as fans rarely look back at a 20-plus win season and change its value based on how close the games were. True. In the end, sure. we remember it as a good season, and if there were a lot of wins. It can just tell you a trend, right, in a certain direction. Like, we look back at BYU football, we go, well, couldn't we see this coming a little bit? BYU wasn't playing great against Utah State and Wyoming. The hope is that it's so early in the season for men's hoops so they continue to evolve, and now you get some of those blowout wins. And perhaps Nichols is that on Saturday. We'll see. BYU's, yeah, about to be 3-1. and one. Yeah, we think that they'll handle business against In our super biased opinion. Let's hope that it's not a one-possession game. But if it is, <laughs> and they win that game by one possession, whatever. Just win. Yes. but Avoid but if, the bad loss. But if not, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, right? That was the Sunday school lesson two weeks ago, right? Okay, Saturday is senior day for BYU football as they host Utah Tech. Join us on BYU Sports Nation game day, 1.30 Eastern, as we get you ready for the game. Then watch the game live, of course, on BYU TV and the app at 3.30 Eastern. Up next, he's found time in his busy class schedule once again. <laughs> Dallin Hall, fresh off that game winner, yeah. joins us in Studio B next to discuss the final play and the memorable shot at the Marriott Center. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Dallin Hall with the game winner last night. Another look at that. Or as BYU basketball's social media accounts put out last night, Dal Him Hall. <laughs> he is <laughs> he him. He is Dal Him he is Hall. Him. Yeah, exactly. And Dallin Hall is joining us in Studio B. What's hey, up, dude? What a night. What a night. Thank you for having me on the show today. Did you sleep at all? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> Took me a bit, but yeah. When, when did you actually fall asleep? Because I imagine it was a while to come down from that excitement. Yeah, I think one o'clock was the last time I remember being like still wired. <laughs> how, how many texts and DMs last night? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll have to count it up today. We'll see. <laughs> He's okay. Just first things for sleep, and then get up and you know encounter it that way. Uh, walk us through the shot last night. I know you did with me last night uh, in our post game interview, but. Now that you've had the night to think about it and you've seen a bunch of replays of it, walk us through that last play and what was drawn up and what was expected of you. 
Yeah, um, coach drew up a play. It was more to kind of get us open in that full court. We expected them to pick up full court to try and slow us down. Um, as it happened, they didn't, so I just ran a hard slant route. I think Jaron Hall would have thrown that nice to me. <laughs> Hall to Hall, baby. Hall to Hall. Um, but they, I came down the court, and they stuck really tight to their guys because we had been shooting so well. And so it gave me space to get downhill and then um, was able to finish the shot, fortunately. And that was the first one I got to see go down that night, so that mm. felt good. How long did it take you to figure out that you were going to shoot the ball? Um, when I drove and no one helped, I was pretty confident in my ability to get my shot off and to score it. And so that just goes to having great teammates that are such great players. So, that yeah, there's no help off of Tiki. So it's all on you. So you, you kind of absorb the contact. And so all that time in the weight room has been worth it, right? Yes. And then you sure. lay it off the glass. What's that moment like when you actually see it go in? Um, it's like... I made it. <laughs> um, but then the next feeling is there's still 1.4 on the clock. Usually I love to see that just go off the clock. But, uh, you know, I'm just thinking someone told me about the Della Vadova dagger after and how it yep. felt like that. <laughs> and and that, so, was, that was Tyler Hawes we were talking about in the post game. Like, Tyler makes this incredible shot, like you, yeah. uh, right side, banker, I believe, yep. as well. And then Della Vadaga races it up, like, second half and makes it. So when Chance Moore lets go of that ball. We're, BYU fans are thinking, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I did not, not like those not again. And it wasn't even close. Yes, fortunately. The yeah. line looked good, but depth, not close. Yes. And then the team just embraces you. What's that moment like uh, to celebrate that win together? Yeah, it's special because those guys are family to me. Um, with the amount of time we put in together, the culture we have here at BYU, and um, just the time that we've spent together made it so special to have them support me and I couldn't have done it without them from the beginning of the summer till now. And so to have those guys around me as I got to be in that moment was super special for me. And then here in the post game, uh, <laughs> in the locker room, water, that's how we roll, right? Um, that's how we and, roll. and I noticed in particular, it stuck out to me that Rudy Williams right here, he gives you a big hug on the court and then in the locker room. Rudy could be like upset that he's the veteran, the starter, he's not in at the game, in the, at the end in two of the home games now. No. He is a great teammate, and, and how's the relationship? Because it seems like you guys just want to win. You don't care whether you're in, he's in, whatever. No, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Rudy is just a team-first guy. He has been since he got here. And he's been especially important in my development. I always go to him. I talk to him. And so we've formed a good bond, point guard to point guard, where he's kind of been my mentor throughout this summer, helping me to get better. And so that's really what it is. We play for each other. I know he could have made that shot, and so it just happened to be my turn to step up, and uh, he's a team-first guy, so he's just happy that we got the W, and I know he'll do the same next time. When did point guard for you become a reality? Because you can play a number of positions on the guard line. When, when did BYU needing you as a point guard become like your reality? Um, yeah, I, I knew coming in my freshman year, like uh, – I just wanted to do whatever I had to do to get on the floor. So whether that was play shooting guard, small forward, point guard, it didn't matter. Um, I just wanted to help my team win. But ultimately, in talking with Coach Pope and him recruiting me, point guard has always been something that I've played. And um, he's always recognized the, the vision that I've had. And so that was kind of my hopes in coming here was to be able to play that point guard position.
Was your mouth guard still in at the end of the game? Tyler and I always look like, because I always say, beware the mouth guard guy. It's going to battle. <laughs> He's like ready to throw down, right? Did you have the mouth guard in at the end? Yeah, I have a okay, adjusted you still have. one. Okay. <laughs> a little thinner. Okay. Because in the beginning, I was like, yeah, what's going on? Uh, so they hooked you up with a better one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mama Hall insisted, so... Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mama Hall's like, hey, you're on TV now. We got to look a certain way. No. She wanted <laughs> Yeah, she's like, you can't be looking like a running back out there. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Have you always been a mouth guard guy? I have, yeah. So this front tooth right here has been knocked out like three times. What? Yeah, so... Ever since then, I just always make sure I have it in. It's a thing. Like, Tyler has multiple fake teeth as well. Huh? Like, wow. it's, it's a thing. We, we haven't battled hard enough. We're not mouth guard guys. <laughs> Although Spence was a lockdown defender in high school. But, yeah, uh, yeah that's crazy. Dallin knows what Northridge High School zone. basketball is about. And, <laughs> and situational awareness in the safety zone. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Obedience to the uh, principles of the offense. No, let's, let's talk about uh, the, these two home games. We, and we were just talking about, is winning enough? Because certainly these teams on paper, people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is it so close? Winning is great. It, it's great. Everyone loves it. But it's like, shouldn't we blow these guys out? Hey, first game was Idaho State. It's first game. It's a new group. Missouri State was better than people thought. And we kept telling people that. I don't know that anyone believed us. They were good. Now you have Nichols at home. How do you, how do you get to the point where when, when the moment's right that you can kind of uh, not come down to the wire, perhaps, against a team at home that people expect you to beat handily? Yeah, I think we got to really break down some film uh, because we had it to 10 and then we had a couple def defensive lapses and we got stagnant on offense. Um, luckily, Trey Stewart stepped up big last night. He got us going on uh, offensively. He was huge um, at the end. Me and him were tandeming back and forth. Um, but we're going to really dig into the film and make sure that when we do get that lead, we lock in and that way we're able to extend it. Um, but we'll always take a win um, because as long as it's going towards the win column, we're happy. Only three turnovers in the second half. Has BYU turned a corner in that regard? <laughs> I'm hoping so. Yeah, we've put a lot of emphasis on taking care of the ball, protecting it, um, and valuing our possessions. And so I thought it was a good blend of playing fast still and taking care of the ball, and so hopefully we can keep that rolling. Um, but yeah, we bounced back well from that first half. And Mark Pope said as much at shoot-around yesterday, saying, I don't want to sort of pull back and then the ball doesn't move, right? So there's so, this sort of like tolerating risk in uh, turnover and so on. Okay, uh, when you look at um, Atiki and Noah last night, really nice contributions with the second team there. You've seen Noah in practice shoot it. Five for five on his first uh, uh, offerings there. That was incredible and really kept you guys in the game when, when uh, the team was struggling a little bit. Yeah, he carried us for sure. Um, he's a big-time player that will always hit big-time shots. And tonight, he I mean, last night, he was huge for us. Um, and he's put in tons of hours of practice. I've seen him after practice getting shots up. And so he was ready for the moment, and he really stepped up and was big for us. And then, like I said, Trey Stewart was just mm -hmm. dicing the defense, finding him. So those two together were a deadly combo. And then I can't say enough about Atiki. That wow, guy what a night. crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm guarding my guy. And then I just see two hands come over top of me and just swat that thing and get the rebound. <laughs> like, that's awesome to have behind you. And, you know, he's a team first guy. Like, even if he's yeah. on the bench, he is just totally engaged. He's there for Foose. And tonight, Foose was there for him. And it was so special to see him just have a huge night. And we know he can keep that going. 
Dallin, there are video bombs, and then there are video bombs from the GOAT at BYU, Danny Ainge. Okay? <laughs> Crazy moment. I'm interviewing you. He comes up, and he's you know, giving you big props. You said he's a great mentor to you. How, how, explain that relationship to us. Like, what, what is his mentorship to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I first met him like, at a Gonzaga game when I was getting recruited, um, and we had a really good talk. And, you know, he's so knowledgeable about the game. He's one of the best basketball minds in the game. So anytime you get an opportunity to talk like to someone like that, especially, a, you know, a BYU hero like him, um, I always try and pick his brain. And so he's been really good at whenever I have the chance to giving me advice, telling me to play free, play my game. And so I think that was a special moment for both of us because he saw it kind of pay off there at the end. And um I'm going to keep obviously picking his brain, but I'm super grateful for him and all the advice he's given me and the mentorship he's had for me. I just thought he really messed up your hair, though, <laughs> with all that product you didn't put in last night. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess my teammates did, too, so yeah, it's whatever, just, right? I'm just kidding. It's a mess for the hair. Whatever. Who, who, was, who, was, uh, who were some of the guys you watched growing up uh, that you really admired and maybe patterned your game after in some way? Yeah, that's funny, actually, because I remember telling Danny Ainge, um, he told me to compare my game to someone in that first conversation we had years ago. And I told him, um, you know, I'd love to say Steph Curry because that's who I watch the most. Um, but my shooting is not quite there yet. We're getting there. Um, but I think I told him Steve Nash, just my ability to play the pick and roll to find players. And he was like, wow, that's crazy. I actually drafted him. And I was like, holy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a blend of players. Usually, um, I think the reason I was recruited heavily by Coach Pope was my vision. And so being surrounded with so many great shooters makes for awesome pick and roll. So I'm just grateful and fortunate to be playing with the guys I'm playing with. All right, before you go, your teammates told me to put you on the spot here. Oh, boy. Because of the Korg impression. Oh, dude. And that went viral last week. Awesome. That was awesome. But they tell me that you have more in the arsenal. Okay? Is that true? Are, are there others besides Can we get another Korg? one? <laughs> um, I might have some others later in store for y'all. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can't, can't pull all the tricks out of the sure. bag. Can you right give now. us a little Korg for those that may have missed it? <laughs> I don't so, know so. if anyone missed it. You just put it out there. Yeah. It got out there. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's really that's good. Awesome. So if you just said like, yeah, BYU win, like say BYU is a winner in Korg impression. All right, we'll see if I can. Um, hey, 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 BYU got the W last night. Let's go, man. <laughs> <laughs> Taika Watiti for the win. That is Taika, that that's is awesome. fantastic. Oh, Dallin, great to have you with us. Uh, congratulations again on the game winner. And uh, man, a great start to your career at BYU. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Go Cougs, baby. Okay, we'll see you Saturday. All right, BYU goes for its 1900th win as a program on Saturday against Nichols. Pre-game at 8 Eastern or right after the football post-game, 9 Eastern, we got the game. It's like 10 straight hours live on BYU to be a football ambassador. It's all day sports. And in case you missed it, Utah Tech giving BYU football some bulletin board material. Sorry, what? Does it matter? This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hey, hey, hey. This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> Follow us on social media for more Korg impersonations from Dallin yes. Hall. And, uh, of course, highlights and games and shows. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. He is Jerem. 
I'm Spencer. Time to whip it! Cougar Whip Brand presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Utah Tech wide receiver uh, Malcolm Ross Turner had an interesting comment about BYU this week. All right, Malcolm Ross Turner predict the Utah Tech and BYU football game to... to it's going to be 27. Let's go 27-14. I'll give him 21 maybe. Who's winning though? That's Utah the Tech. That's about it though. It, he should pick his team to win. I mean, I uh, like his is, confidence. Is this bulletin board material or not? Kind of, because the what you didn't hear in that quote is something that Malcolm apparently said off camera earlier, which is he compared BYU to like they're as good as Sacramento State, which is just like now what? Now that's now now there's what? an issue. What? Sac they're as good as Sacramento State. And D'Angelo Mendel quote tweeted it. Like some BYU players have seen it. So yes, it's already become bulletin board material. I don't think that BYU needed it. Utah Tech certainly didn't need to give give BYU. Yeah, Paul Peterson's like, what are you doing? More Probably. of that motivation. But I mean, I like the confidence. I just, just, I think it's probably foolish to do it on camera. Was this set in a laundromat? <laughs> what, that was a dryer behind him, right? Like, what, what was that? No, they don't need bulletin board material. They need a washer and a dryer. <laughs> Three games into the season, as we move from football to basketball, already two game winners for BYU. Wild. Which player has the better game winner? Is it Spencer Johnson against Idaho State or Dallin Hall last night against Missouri State? I go Spencer Johnson because when he hit the shot, BYU was trailing and it was a step back three. Dallin's was tremendous because freshman and we grade freshmen on a different curve than everybody else. But yeah, the, both tremendous. I go with Spencer Johnson. They're both awesome. Now that Dallin Hall's out of the room, I go with Spencer yeah, Johnson. They're both awesome. BYU was two for 15 from the three-point line and trailing against Idaho State when Spencer Johnson hit that three. So his is more important, just more critical. Dallin's is probably more memorable because he's a freshman, but Spencer Johnson's well, more important. Well, and it was the most recent. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Brett McMurphy tweeted that Big 12 Commish, Brett Yormark and Gonzaga AD Chris Standiford met yesterday in Austin ahead of the Zags at Texas game and that there is, quote, growing mutual interest, end quote, regarding Gonzaga joining the Big 12. Would you be surprised to see this actually happen? Yes, I still think they're a long way away. Because Gonzaga is not a football program, the Big Wait, 12 what? venturing into new territory with no, like a team with no football program, that, that feel, it still feels a little bit weird to me. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of discussion and conversation that still need to happen. So I, at this point, I would still be surprised to see it come to fruition. Gonzaga is flirting with Pac-12 and the Big East yeah. and the Big 12. Sure, they should. They uh, should. I wouldn't be surprised because we've had a few smoky moments now. Uh, so I won't be like, oh, I'm shocked there's a fire over there. It's like, well, no, there's been a little smoke. So yeah, if they said, yeah, Gonzaga joined, I'd be like, all right, well, we had multiple reports. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, not surprised, but I mean, you wouldn't be surprised. I still feel like there's a long way to go. I, I also do. Gotcha. Okay, but you still wouldn't be surprised. But if they were like, Gonzaga's joining the Big 12, I'm like, yeah, because you told yeah. us they were talking. BYU women's soccer, Jerem. <sighs> a huge matchup against Stanford today. And they have struggled against Stanford in recent tournaments. Yep. Do they need a win today against the Cardinal to validate this season? No, it's been a tremendous season. They've bounced back in a strong way. 12 unbeaten, game unbeaten streak. Uh, you know, they won at home, avenged regular season loss yes. to Utah Valley. Yep. Won in the tourney. This isn't last year's team. This is this year's team. Stanford is a bane of BYU's existence, having won three in a row in the tourney against BYU. 
neutral side, so perhaps it gives BYU a better chance. BYU actually closer than Stanford, obviously, to UNC, but both far. No, I don't need a win to validate the season, I'll be, although it'd be pretty nice. BYU validated the season when they beat Utah Valley at home and won a ninth consecutive NCAA match on their home field. They get to the second round. Yeah, no, like they filled the cup. Like anything after this is now above the, the expectation line for me. They beat Stanford, fantastic. Now you're exceeding expectations, in my opinion. Some, some people in this in this space say, oh yeah, it's gravy now. I go, well, to me, gravy is a necessary component with potatoes. Mm. I do like potatoes just plain too, but gravy is real, it's not extra. It is, it is almost everything when you add it there. Now, get me into the moment and it's critical like time and it's tied late or whatever. I might feel like, no, yeah, you need this. Win, they they need need to win. I changed my mind. <laughs> no, they're, they're good. The season's been great. Listen to that game, by the way, coming up on uh, BYU Radio 3 Eastern. Last night, as Noah Waterman was in the midst of going five for six in the three-point line, you tweeted out, and I quote, Waterman? Question mark? More like on fire, man. <laughs> Which drew a Patrick from SpongeBob <laughs> boo <laughs> gift response from BYU Barstool. <laughs> Because BYU Barstool is the source of all knowledge. Was the response from BYU Barstool justified? Oh, absolutely. I knew it was bad. Boo! Okay, a couple years ago, Mark Durant <laughs> tweeted in reference to uh, Corbin Kafusi. Cow Fusi more like bear Fusi. Oh my just, goodness. Just, no. I'm, we're not, <laughs> I take myself seriously for about 15 minutes during sacrament meeting a week. That's about it. The Waterman highlights really write themselves if you're looking back on it. Like if I was calling his highlights, like if he makes a shot, it's splash, right? Yeah, it's, it it's rain, perfect, it's it splash. It makes perfect sense. It's, yes. Noah and water? Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're handing out last names on like Ellis Island. Like, like what do you want? He's like, Waterman. Waterman. Are you a His fireman? Form? No. A waterman. I don't know. There's shooting jokes. form is tight like under a dish. Yes. Thank you, Ether. <laughs> Mahanrai Mori Ankimer. Listen to BYU and Utah Tech Saturday oh at 1.30 Eastern time with Greg Rumbell, Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, and the gang. They'll get you ready. Two-hour pregame baby on the radio. And in case you missed it, we're going back to recap a BYU legend in deep blue. Derwin Gray, big winner in life, but he's winning in so many other ways. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station live in Studio B. Following a successful career at BYU, Derwin Gray felt like he was going to live an amazing life in the National Football League. What he found was quite the opposite while losing himself in a greater work than he understood at that time. This is Deep Blue. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. We were uh, what's called PO, not poor, because we couldn't afford the O and the R. And so when you're Poe, you don't really know that you're Poe. Now that I look back, there were a lot of things that I thought was just normal because that was my context, but it was not normal. Um, a lot of the uh, substance abuse that I, that I saw, a lot of the, uh, the chaos, the confusion, the violence. But I mean, I, I still had a, a happy childhood. I mean, that's all that I really knew. You know, we never attended like a Sunday service. We never prayed together. We never ate dinner together. So I would say for me at an early age, my religion was football. 
So my mom came to me and said, uh, this is what Coach said. Coach said, if you work hard, you could get a scholarship. And I was like, what kind of ship is that? And so that kind of put like a little seed in my heart. Get to BYU. I'm a freshman. It's a whole new culture. It took me a whole semester to kind of figure out academically, to figure out culturally, even football-wise, what was my space, what was my place. January of my freshman year, I'm walking into the BYU weight room. I had seen him around, and I thought he was cute and all those things, you know? Uh, but I was just focused. I was just doing my thing. I heard these words, hey, can you give me a spot? And of course, my heart's beating. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a spot. And did my lift and finished up and left the weight room. I probably had to go to class or something. I don't know. And then I thought there was going to be more conversation, but it wasn't. After that, she went on and did her stuff. And I'm like, OK, cool. It's like, she's cute. I mean, she kind of ignored me. We saw each other again. I mean, it was, I don't know, maybe a week or two later. All the athletes were playing basketball. And there she was playing basketball. And she was shooting three-point shots. She was down low elbowing like 250-pound dudes. I'm like, I really like her. In the field house, we went up above where the seats are. And we just sat and talked for a minute. And he asked if I had a boyfriend. And I said, I do. So I'm like, cool. So I respected that. A little time goes by, and I see her in the Smithfield house where all the athletes are. And she's walking by. I said, hey, do you still have a boyfriend? She said, no. And I said, yeah. Eventually got drafted. Go to the NFL 1993. And in my mind, I'm like, this is it. That first year in the NFL was absolutely, utterly miserable. I think God set us up <laughs> because we both thought this was going to be the most amazing, the most fulfilling thing ever. And we were actually really disappointed. I went from a big fish in a small pond to not even being a fish. He kind of like set us up so that we would go, wow, there has to be more to life than this. Everything that we were building our house of life on, this house of sand, he was allowing that sand to begin to erode. Third year, I had a really, really exceptional season. I had a teammate that I recognized pretty quickly in 1993 with the Colts. His name was Steve Grant, but his nickname was The Naked Preacher. And here's, here's why. Every day after practice, he would take a shower and dry off. That's totally normal. But then he'd get his Bible and begin to walk around, not in like a obnoxious or rude way, but he'd walk around with his Bible, towel wrapped around his waist, and he'd ask my teammates, he'd say, do you know Jesus? And in my mind, I'm like, bro, do you know you're half naked? And I turn around and I see six foot two, 240 pounds of dark chocolate, near nakedness coming towards me, white towel and Bible. And I'm like, oh no, here's one of these religious guys. So he taps me on the back and he asked me a question that changed my life. He said this, he said, uh, Rookie D. Gray, do you know Jesus? And for three nights, I just cried and I cried because I couldn't get over this. I couldn't get over that Jesus knew everything about me and loved me. 
my whole life was one long fight to be loved, to have affirmation. He would come home and say, I spend more time on the field talking about scripture than I am actually talking about plays. And my teammates are looking at me like, bro, like run the play, you know? And so we knew God was changing our hearts at that point. And we really weren't sure what was next. And so it was really a neat time of just seeking like, God, what do you have for us? Like, where are you working? How do we join in what you're doing? Like, we know it isn't about us. We know you are doing things. How do we join in that? Like, how can you even use us, right? And that began this five-year process of this existential crisis of wanting forgiveness, wanting a father's love, wanting to be able to love my wife, wanting to not be so afraid of not playing football. He got a phone call from, I think it was a youth pastor in South Carolina asking him to come speak and basically just share his story. And we were like, okay, we don't really know like how this all works, but sure, we'll go. When he got done speaking that day, and it was, you know, note cards were falling out of his pocket and he teared up and was stuttering. And the youth pastor said, you better get ready because God's gonna start using you. And we were like, okay. Like, I haven't read in the Bible where Jesus is like, hey, I'm not the King of Kings, I'm Burger King. Have it your way. No, I read about a King of Kings who said, I'm gonna have an every nation, tribe and tongue family that they surround and surrender their life to my grace and mercy and that they love each other. When they love each other, the world will know that you're my disciples. And so that was like a chapter that's still being written because to actually lead and serve a church of multiple, multiple, multiple thousands of people with a staff of nearly 50 requires a different type of faith, a different type of humility, a different type of, of courage. And so I, I feel like God is constantly transforming us. But here's the key though. He's transforming us to look more like Jesus, more patient, more kind, more trusting, more loving, more truthful, more faithful. He's been probably one of the greatest gifts God has given me. And his faithfulness to God, first and foremost, and his ability to see me through the eyes of Christ has strengthened me. It's probably helped for me into the leader that I am today. He believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. If somebody would have told me, hey Derwin, check this out bro. You're gonna go to school called BYU, you're gonna meet your dream girl. You're gonna create some humans together. You're gonna have a legendary career. You're gonna play in the NFL. And by the way, you know that whole stuttering thing you used to do? God's gonna remove that. And by the way, even though you didn't grow to church nor read the Bible, you're gonna become a New Testament scholar and you're gonna write books and you're gonna preach the gospel in India, in Europe, and other parts of the world, and thousands of people are gonna watch your services online, and you're gonna pastor a big old influential church. I'd have been like, you are not talking about me. And I want everybody to know that, that Jesus is the kind of king that will turn your tragedies into triumphs.
He is special at the core, Derwin Gray. And uh, the thing that I like most about these deep blue features is, this is a growing trend for me personally, but I feel like I want to be better after I watch them. I'm motivated by what he's done. And I love that Derwin is an ambassador of BYU and he's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's a fellow brother in Christ and he is doing great work as are the Muslims who are on BYU's basketball team in Fus and Atiki yes. and all walks of life. We come together, we play sports. It's just a vehicle to hang out and grow together. It really is. And that's why I love sports because we can come together with people from all over the place who aren't the same as you and I, and we learn from each other. Yes, awesome. we're all trying to get better together yep. in our unique walks of life. Yep, Derwin's an important piece in the BYU puzzle. No doubt about it. Yep. Okay, check out sixth uh, seed BYU women's soccer taking on three seed Stanford today. Second round of the NCAA tournament, three Eastern on the BYU radio app. Greg Rebell out in North Carolina to call this one. Up next, the rise and shout out to a brand new nonagenarian. How many of you know what a nonagenarian is? Not I'm me. not even sure I'm saying it right. I have no idea. Do you know? <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. You know? I know now. Oh, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps and subscribe, rate, and review the pod. Our question of the day is just winning, no matter how close, enough for BYU basketball right Never now. Never enough! <laughs> Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Doug Heath on Twitter who answers... This is really good for a brand new team to play close games. It teaches them how to win close games together. I couldn't agree more, which may come in handy as they start to play some big-time programs. They played a big-time program at San Diego State. There's a positive to not blowing someone out at home that perhaps on paper you think you should or Vegas is telling you you should. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. He's a nonagenarian, meaning he's 90 to 99 years old. Nice. Happy 90th birthday to David R. Almodel that watches the show every day. He is the father of our good Good friend who runs BYU Athletic Marketing, David K. Almodova. That's, 90 years! That's awesome. Sorry to Dennis, no time. For Jeremiah, I'm such a shout out to Nate Call. Check out BYU Women's Soccer live on BYU Radio, Radio 3 Eastern. Tournament time with Greg Rebell. Go Cougs!